0: Welcome to another episode of GE Vital Voices. My name is Elena Schutz, a journalist who frequently works in the healthcare space, and I have something very special for you today. August, as you might know, is marked as Women's Month in South Africa. And what better time than now to celebrate and profile some of the wonderful female professionals across our country and share their contributions to healthcare
1: thus far. Welcome to GE Vital Voices, where we help move the conversation and solutions forward. GE Healthcare is focused on precision health. Doctors, nurses, and clinicians are often under-resourced and overburdened. And COVID-19 has brought this front and center. Solving the industry's productivity challenges by improving access, enabling more precise patient diagnosis and treatment, shortening hospital stays and wait times, and lowering overall costs is more pressing now than ever. GE Healthcare is about delivering on the future of healthcare by enabling precision health, integrated, efficient, and highly personalized care.
0: Today's show will be a little bit longer than normal, I'll be speaking to three women from different fields and walks of life who have all done valuable and pioneering work in healthcare across the continent, from building their own practices to being a woman in the field. Now you might think, Elna, why female doctors? Does it really matter? And on the one hand, no, of course, being a woman doesn't make you naturally more or less skilled and competent as a healthcare worker. But in a lot of spaces, particularly when it comes to leadership, gender equality isn't an obvious conclusion, and women are faced with particular barriers to success. On the other hand, patients of all genders, but particularly when it comes to women's health, may benefit from the unique perspectives of female practitioners. So let's hear about the lived experience of women at the forefront who have overcome and continue to overcome challenges which may have been amplified by the mere fact that they are women. Let's get into our first interview. Dr. Bakwe Sekwe is a specialist radiologist, her practice is the Center of Medical Imaging SA and has branches in Midrand and Petritif and has grown since 2016 to include another two dozen employees. She holds a Bachelor of Medicine and Surgery from the University of Pretoria and a Masters in Diagnostic Radiology from the University of the Witwatersrand. She has also had a fellowship with the College of Medicine SA in Diagnostic Radiology. She She has been involved with a variety of radiology awareness campaigns and she chairs a nonprofit called Working for Good. So, Doctor, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me on your show today. Thank you.
0: I want to know, just starting out, why is radiology so important in general but also for South African communities?
2: You know, um, I always say when the German scientist Marie Curie discovered x-rays in 1895, I don't think she realized just how much she revolutionized the field of medicine. Radiology to me is a passion, a calling. I mean, I literally get to see through people every day. I image them, I look at their shadows and evaluate what might be the cause of their ailments. Um, What always amazes me is how little many people in our country know about radiology. Many people only know that if you have a fracture, you get an X-ray, and that's where their knowledge ends. But radiology goes way beyond that. For example, we have MRI scanners that pick up pinched nerves and torn ligaments and tiny strokes in the brain. Radiology forms the examination of patients on a daily basis all over the country. And I continually am intrigued by the fast pace at which technology advances in radiology. It's a field that assists doctors in diagnosing diseases using imaging. And as I've described, many people only know of the x-rays diagnosing fractures.
0: And I know that a lot of our listeners are healthcare workers, so they probably Mm -hmm. work with Mm -hmm. radiology to some extent. But in your experience, Mm -hmm. what is that awareness and that relationship like between other specialties and radiology?
2: Radiology works very intimately with referring clinicians. Um, As you know, we diagnose diseases for orthopods. We interact with our neurologists. We interact with multiple specialties. So we have a very close relationship with our referring um, clinicians. It's a relationship that has to be nurtured because for the benefit of the patient, accurate diagnosis relies heavily on the clinical examination findings that are communicated to us as the radiologist to help with our um, accuracy. And we also assist in doing certain interventions as well. So there's a a whole separate field called interventional radiology that also looks at doing your biopsies, setting up your lines, aspirating abscesses, and things like that. So definitely we have a very close relationship between um, radiologists and other specialities.
0: You are clearly very passionate about it. How did you get into this and and choose this particular field? What's been your journey?
2: So I began medical school in 2001. I could not have predicted um, that my path would lead me to where I am right now. But when I was doing my internship is where um, my interest for radiology was peaked. Um, we would always be sent around to go and book the scans of the radiology department. And it was this mystical dark room area that not many people were allowed to go into. But I formed a very close relationship with one of the professors there and she would, you know, encouraged me to perhaps pursue a career in radiology after my internship in community service. And that's how I began my interest um, in radiology.
0: One part of your work that I find really interesting is the community outreaches and awareness campaigns, working with rural communities. And we've been speaking to other doctors on the podcast today mm-hmm. also about the importance of that in South Africa. What does that mean mm-hmm. to you and why is it so important to you and your journey?
2: So I believe that in our country, there's still a persistence of uh, inequality in terms of access to health care and more so access to radiology services. I believe that some of those gaps may be addressed by the correct implementation of our national health insurance. This inequality to access to radiology is what sparked my quest to try to bridge that gap. So the first step for me was to set up a practice in Pitratif in Mpumalanga. I aspire to roll out more of these radiology centers um, throughout the country in areas that are in the outskirts, um, like I described, that radiology assists in expediting a patient's diagnosis and it helps in improving a patient's outcome and shortening their length of stay in the hospital. So I believe that even if you're on the outskirts, you deserve to still have that kind of um, result.
0: And often it can make such a big difference because there aren't as many alternatives as perhaps in, in the bigger metros. Correct. And... You are not just a doctor, you're a businesswoman, you've had to build up a practice and and expand it. What Mm -hmm. has that been like?
2: So my mother used to run multiple businesses to help put us through school. Um, I believe that's where the seed for a business mind was planted. And there's still so many business lessons that I believe medical school just does not prepare you for. Um, But I'll try to summarize a few key lessons that I believe have helped me along my journey. The first one is that I've learned that my opinions matter in the boardroom or wherever. I've learned to speak boldly and to express them even if my voice quivers and shakes. I've learned to trust my intuition. It hasn't let me down yet. Oftentimes we have a sixth sense that guides us to what you want to achieve, whether you should get involved in a certain project or not. Trust that intuition. I've learned to prioritize tasks as you know, healthcare professionals, we're extremely busy. There's like a million and one things to do, but you can't do a million and one things all at the same time. One patient at a time, one report at a time, one scan at a time. If there are tasks to be attended to, pick the most important one and do that one first. I've learned to often pat myself on the back and say, Bakui, you're doing a good job. Sometimes you need to clap for yourself. <laughs> I've also re- learned to remain optimistic and not to give up to always believe that the best is yet to come.
0: What has it been like being a woman in particular in this
1: field?
2: For me, I've been fortunate to have had a positive experience of being a female doctor. I haven't felt uh, discriminated against or treated unfairly because of my gender. Um, Medical school was grueling for all of us, all of us. Um, And during my training at uh, UP in Pretoria, there were numerous mentors and GPs that were young and female that would nurture and guide us to navigate that very difficult road at his medical school. And even when I arrived in radiology, on the circuit, there were multiple female radiologists to look up to. So even when I became pregnant with Latita, which happened during my training as a radiologist, there are measures that are put in place to protect the unborn child from radiation during your training. So I've had an overall positive experience of being a female doctor. And often I believe that your work will always speak for itself. Um, I believe that a certain degree of professionalism, diagnostic accuracy, rapid turnaround time, integrity, good bedside manner, good interpersonal skills with your referring clinicians will go far in putting you in good stead. I believe that our referring clinicians are interested in seeing their patients get better. So even if they come down and their emotions are a little bit heightened... I try not to take things personally. They just want their patient to get better. Whether that report is coming from a male or a female radiologist, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's all about the patient.
0: Absolutely, and you've already given me some really good nuggets of wisdom, but to the healthcare workers listening, especially the women, but also everybody creating a space um, for medicine in this country, what are some of the lessons you've learned that you want to pass on or sort of nuggets of wisdom?
2: Yeah, I would encourage whoever's looking to get into healthcare or medicine or radiology, to pursue what ignites their passion. I think sometimes you look from the outside and you think, oh, it might be fantastic to be a dermatologist. Or it might be. You need to really find what ignites your passion because this is what you're going to be doing for a very long time and you want to do something that you really love. I'd advise them to choose carefully as they go through, navigate their undergrad and as they navigate whatever, high school, from as early as high school, actually, you need to start thinking of excelling in your maths and science and excelling in your extramural activities because competition to get into these positions is actually quite stiff, as we know. But if you persevere, often you'll rise to the top. Your chances of rising to the top are higher. If you love technology, science, anatomy, biology, if you're a bit of a nerd, And if you don't mind sitting in a dark room, radiology is for you. You'll constantly lead a team and you'll constantly interact with referring clinicians. And contrary to popular belief, you'll still interact with patients. So you do need to have good interpersonal skills. They'll come in very handy. I'd like to end off this uh, with a few words from Oprah Winfrey. I don't know if that's fine. She says, and I quote, I've come to believe that each of us has a personal calling. That's as unique as a fingerprint. And that the best way to succeed is to discover what you love and then find a way to offer it to others in the form of service. Working hard and also allowing the energy of the universe to lead you. Thank you so much for having me on your show today.
0: That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing it. One last Mm -hmm. question before I let you go. What's next for you?
2: My national rollout. So anybody listening, help me on my quest for a national rollout of the Center of Medical Imaging. That's where my passion lies right now.
0: That's ambitious, but so <laughs> needed and all the rest <laughs> yes. with that. Thank you, Thank you Dr. So Sehwe, much. for speaking Thank to you. us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. What beautiful words of wisdom and encouragement from Dr. Sehwe. She's clearly so passionate about radiology, bringing her own femininity to this space and really just... Enjoying her work in this field. I hope you gained something from it. And I want to pick up on this point of reaching communities and making sure that people around the country have access to healthcare, which, let's be honest, is something we talk about on this podcast again and again. And I want to stay with that theme of reaching people in ways and areas that may sometimes have been forgotten or just not well resourced. Our next interview is with a woman who does this in a particular place that is special to her and through a very particular way and specialty. Have a listen. Dr. Ntanga Muambatsi is a nuclear medicine specialist at Molecular Imaging and Therapy Limpopo, which is the first practice to bring a PET-CT into the province. She practices at a variety of hospitals, including as the head of the clinical unit at the nuclear medicine department at the Polokwane Provincial Hospital. And she is the founder of the Dr. Muambatsi Foundation. So now for those listeners who are not entirely familiar with her speciality, in essence, nuclear medicine uses small amounts of radioactive material for researching, diagnosing and treating all kinds of diseases, including cancers, heart disease and neurological disorders. Thank you so much for speaking to us today. Thank you for having me. So, Doctor, you are not only the only woman doing this in the province, you are the only specialist at all. Why is it important in a place like Limpopo in particular?
3: So, if I can just quickly give you a brief background, I'm actually from Limpopo, I was born and bred here in Limpopo. So when I went to specialize, I knew definitely I will come back home one day to serve my own people. That was the whole point, you know, to improve the quality of life of the people in the rural areas because they seem to be the ones that are always neglected. And When you're in everything runs smoothly. You've got all the specialists that you need, you know, at your disposal. But here I realized that there's a lack and a shortage And if no one is taking it into themselves to actually come back home and try and assist then it will never ever correct itself so it starts with me that's why I decided to come back to Limpopo my home province yeah
0: and what has it been like not just working but also creating a practice in a field that's probably not that well known
3: sure that's a difficult one it's only now that I reflect back and I think wow Actually, the odds were against me all along. I mean, you can imagine I'm black, I'm female, I'm in a rural setting, like I have no funds. So you can imagine all the odds are basically against me. So everything I had to do, I had to put in four times extra the amount of work to make it work because um, nothing reduces the odds against you like ignoring them. So I had to ignore all those odds that were against me and also focus on the positive, especially the people that really believed in me. And most importantly, to believe in myself, because I'm the one that has to make this thing happen. So it was really not easy, but it was worth it, like the saying goes.
0: Do you feel like there's been a moment where the tide turned, where you sort of established yourself and things were maybe a little bit easier? Yes. Um,
3: with any business, a startup is
0: very difficult. You
3: know, but then it's the results that speak for themselves because, I mean, I am here. There's many pros and cons of being here in Limpopo. I mean, there's the pros are that I'm here, I'm saving lives, and the doctors need me to help them diagnose. In diagnosing, then, they can actually treat and manage the disease properly. Um, So I'm actually very critical and crucial in actually making sure that the patients get the correct management. But there is also some cons. You can imagine being the only female, the only nuclear medicine specialist available in Limpopo. I mean, the cons are many, burnout, you're exposed to um, diseases and illnesses because patients are obviously sick, especially in the times of COVID, it was not very easy. But yeah, we go through it and we conquer. So when I look back, I feel... There is something to actually be happy about and, yeah, be proud of.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about the aspect of being a woman, which you have mentioned. It would be great if we just said, oh, being a woman doctor is easy and, and great, regardless of your specialty. Yeah. But it isn't always that way, and there are pros and mm-hmm. cons, as you've said. Mm-hmm. What has that part been like? So
3: actually when you start up, there cons are more than the pros I mean the cons outweigh the pros because you don't see exactly where you're going but you have this vision and you need to constantly feed your brain you know you need to constantly feed your brain with positivity because you only you know where you're going and you know like no one will believe in your vision so you must have confidence and uh, believe in yourself so that you can achieve what you actually are aiming to achieve so yeah I think that's Really important to believe in yourself in this field.
0: And what yeah. are the sort of lessons you've learned along the way that you would want to share with other healthcare workers?
3: You need to constantly feed your brain with knowledge. You know, I'm not talking about medical um, knowledge. Okay, you can read your journals so that you give your patients the best, but also knowledge about um, things around you. You mustn't be ignorant. I mean. I watch TV, but the only thing that I'm probably watching on TV is a business show, business channel. So, you can imagine, because I was not exposed to business in my undergrad, so I need to be able to learn something new every day. So I watch a lot of business channels, business shows on TV. In that way, um, you get to apply your mind and also apply your business properly, because after all, we, we're rendering medical services, but it is a business in the long run. What I can tell my listeners or our audience is that there's a saying by Steve Jobs that says, innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. So you have to be always innovative. We we all have it in, within us to be innovative in some way. It might not be in the medical fields, but there is something that you can do that could be innovative. I mean, we are all here for a purpose Henry Ford also once said, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, (laughs) you are right. (laughs) Yeah. So I would like you to actually think and ponder on that um, Henry Ford saying. So in the long run, it just says it's actually up to you what you think. Yes. So I think I would leave the audience with something like that.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. It does come down to a lot of that. Do you have an example perhaps for me of how that's worked out for you where you felt like you were pushed into a space where innovation was important?
3: Mm, Basically, right here as we speak, I've established this practice. When I started this practice, we had um, two employees. Now we are a big team. I think we are around 10 on site. And obviously, there's other people like legal, there's accountants. So you do grow, you do become innovative. And you know that you as a doctor or a specialist, you cannot run everything yourself. You cannot be expected to now do your own accounting, do your own um, legal thing. So you need to be innovative, employ more people so that they can help you grow your business and grow your vision. I mean, when I came here, I realized that Patients are traveling from very far, like 80 kilometers, just to get the services. Already it's not, it's out of their way, even if I came to Bulugwane. So we've now actually opened another branch in Tanim. So the patients don't have to be sick and be traveling all the way to uh, Bulugwane for these services. And not only that, we realized that our patients, because we only had a gamma camera, our patients had to travel to Hauteng for PET scans. PET-CT scans. You can imagine you've got cancer or you're chronically ill, having to drive all the way to Khao uh, just for a scan. So I'm glad to actually say that announced that we brought in a PET-CT as part of being innovative. It was the first in the province. We've already started doing our patients. Our first patient was actually on the 1st of August, which coincides with Women's Day. And we were so glad that we did that patient first because they actually needed chemotherapy as in yesterday. They couldn't wait to be driven to Jolberg and all those things. So, yeah, it's part of being innovative. We're growing every day and we are actually trying to bring healthcare closer to our people that need it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So those are a few
3: your example.
0: Yeah, and that's yeah. so important. Mm-hmm. Staying with the patients yeah i'm sure if my doctor said to me now we're going to do nuclear medicine i would get (laughs) big eyes and say nuclear what now how does it work in terms of working with patients perhaps even other colleagues and introducing Mm -hmm. the importance of your field the process?
3: So that's a very good question because our field is not, it's not something that you do in undergrad. You know, when you finish medicine, you do your surgery, you rotate in pediatrics. So we are never exposed. So even the doctors themselves don't really know much about nuclear medicine. So when we started off, we had to go to every single doctor and teach them about the importance of nuclear medicine. So you can imagine if the doctors themselves don't know about nuclear medicine, the patients themselves, are worried sick when they're referred to a nuclear medicine facility. So what we do is that on site we've got two nurses. Before we start with the procedure every day, we actually explain to the patients what we're going to do. And like I said, oh, you did mention it, we don't use uh, a bomb or some heavy nuclear weapon material. We just use a very trace, small amounts of nuclear material to diagnose. They won't even feel, there's no side effects to it. Um, so we do explain all those things to their patients because we understand what they are going through.
0: Yeah. That's important. And even if they only understand it enough to be comfortable, once it works, yes. I'm sure they'll...
3: Yeah, yeah. They, they do come
0: back and say, wow, you know,
3: I didn't think, especially if
0: we give therapy,
3: yeah, no, they come back and you know we're in the rural areas so some of them come back with lychees and mangoes and yeah they're just so happy and bubbly you know so they do come back most of the time
0: that's wonderful (laughs) we were speaking about innovation so i wonder what is in your sights for the future what might be next
3: so so far we We've just brought the pet city last week, so it's kind of still early, but we've got other innovative ideas in the pipeline that we'll only share as we go along. So it's still under wraps, so if I can call it. But, yeah, we will be sharing with you soon. Just watch this space three months from now. <laughs> And
0: lastly, to any aspiring, specifically female doctors, perhaps in less known fields like you or Mm -hmm. in general, what would be your words of wisdom having gone through the journey that you have?
3: So my words of wisdom is it's quite sad that no one will believe in your dreams. But it's reality. You know, if you have a dream of, I don't know, building websites, People will always say, no, you know, they won't want to invest in something they don't believe in. So you have to believe in yourself so that you can get your funding and start up your business. You cannot expect um your uncle to help you because he does not understand anything about websites. I can't expect um just anybody to help me with nuclear medicine because, firstly, what is nuclear medicine? So you need to believe in yourself, have a very good business proposal and approach People that can fund you like big banks, and then when you start up and then pay all your debts off, of course, and then then it will be easier for you, but you must not expect anything from anyone. It's, I know it sounds a bit harsh, but it's just the reality. yeah
0: yeah, keep expectations low, but dreams high Yes that's the thing, yes, yes yeah. Dr. Muhammbadzi, thank you so much for speaking thank to us, much. and all the best with those future plans. Thank you. Thank you very much um, for having me and have a
3: great day, Feather.
0: You too. I'm so inspired by how these doctors are finding ways to really pursue the one thing or community that they are passionate about. You don't always have to do everything, but focusing on an area that is really important to you can bring such beautiful results. And the next person I'll be speaking to on this show very much embodies that she takes care of a part of the patient population that is particularly vulnerable children and she is there for parents and their children in some of the hardest times when their little ones might be suffering which is something truly special have a listen Dr. Letabo Mashaba is a pediatrician at Netcare Sunning Hill Hospital in Johannesburg, where she works in the neonatal intensive care unit, quite a pressured and vulnerable space. Uh, she works in pediatric wards and also provides consultation services. She herself has three little ones. She studied at the University of Cape Town and has worked with children in a number of different hospitals, including with HIV exposed and positive children at Charlotte Munkaicare, okay. Johannesburg. General Academic Hospital. Dr. Machaba is also involved in many community projects within South Africa and has been involved in medical missions to a few African countries in the SADAC region. She is a recent author of a book about mothers and babies called The Secret Power of Superpowered Moms. Great title. She is a businesswoman and the founder of the Dr. El Mashaba Foundation.
4: Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Elna. I'm very honored
0: to be here today, looking forward to
4: this interview.
0: So Dr. Mashaba, let's start by asking why pediatrics, why tiny humans and um, why this particular journey for you?
4: Uh, Elna, for me, this journey, um, it's actually an interesting story how it came about. In Tembisa, I worked in a hospital called Tembisa Hospital, uh, which was in 2008 uh, around 2009 and 2010. When we are doing our internship, we actually had to rotate through the different specialities. Um, I'd actually thought I was quite keen in the surgical specialities, but it was when I did pediatrics that I actually won an award for being the best intern in that rotation. And I did not even realize that I had a passion for children in my heart, but it was identified actually by my seniors and my colleagues And since then, any other hospital that I went to, I went to work in the military. I went to work at Jovek Jan. Same thing happened when it came to children. It felt like everybody around me kept on unframing to say, no, no, no. You know what? When you do this, you do this well.
0: So I feel like pediatrics chose me and not the other way around. And you are so much more than just a doctor. Very often we think of purely the interactions between doctors and and patients, but you have your own practice, you have to be a businesswoman, now you're an author. What have you learned along the way in taking on these different roles? When it
4: comes to being uh, owning a practice, that for me was a journey of being an entrepreneur. And I must say, it really came with a lot of um, learning curves and challenges. One thing that I'd like to highlight, my most important point, is the fact that people always view f- failure or challenges as a non-success. But in the journey to success, I've come to realize that you need to have the ability to try things. And if they don't work, to re-strategize and re-adapt So for me, I really have loved building this practice. With one of that is I actually learned to even decorate my own rooms uh, while starting. And what I thought I needed an interior designer to do, because at the time when I started, my cash flow was low and I needed a lot of equipment. Uh, It actually turned out to be a great success just doing that, where the moms would give me great feedback to say, you know what, even the way you've laid out the rooms you you did it, where I thought that would have been a challenge for me being a doctor. I know in terms of my skills as a pediatrician, I've been well-trained. As you can see on my CV, I did go to great institutions. So that part for me was never lacking. I really look up to the professors that have taught me and the experience that I've, I, I really acquired from that. But in terms of building up my own practice, a lot of learning how just, just to be perseverant. You know what, being, having integrity in in the work that you do. Just uh, actually having even a, developing a thick skin uh, in terms of the comments that some of the people say. And then I've learned to as well in the terms of client service give, not even just 100%, but 150%. Uh, that's very important with uh, our clients. I've learned to actually just learn that in client service, it's not just about me offering a service, but actually getting feedback from the people that I'm servicing. Are you happy? Do you enjoy what I'm doing? Um, Do you feel that I gave you the best treatment? Do you feel that I actually listened to you and actually met your needs? So for me in this journey, I've learned that it's been fun. It's been exciting. But as I said, lots of ball curves and challenges coming through. But you need to learn to adapt and build client satisfaction. And as well, be willing to hear it from them, they must be able to give you feedback and you need to create those type of platforms for them to kind of feedback in that way as well.
0: Well, making mistakes and learning from them is definitely a big part of motherhood, not just of being a doctor. And that's what you, um, the kind of experiences that you wrote about in, in your recent book. So being both a mother and a doctor, what has become important to you when you are a doctor for other mums and their children? The reason
4: why I was actually inspired to write this motherhood book is because uh, the experiences that the mothers go through that I hear in my practice and as well, I see in the ICU and the casualties are in the wards. They are very diversified and quite unique. Uh, one thing that I've learned about being mothers is uh, we really love our children and are willing to give them everything. If we could give our foot or hand, we, we would be able to do that. If our child were, was in ICU, we'd be willing to trade places anytime. So the uh, what I've learned from my moms is that motherhood is really about being resilient, you know, being willing to get up every morning, clean up the vomit and still step out, walk and command boardrooms in the boardroom, get a phone call about a fever while you're sitting there and having an audience looking at you, but being skillful and productive about how you answer that phone call, you know, so I really have really look up to all mothers, uh who are out there and even my those that I see in my industry, um, how they are able to be diversified, being wives, mothers, daughters, uh, career women. And for me, I really a highlight that I can say to mothers is a mother is dynamic. She's a dynamite. Uh and that's what I can say about all my mothers. They a woman has 21 roles in life and I have seen women who've been able to perfect each one of those roles and still be outstanding you know and uh, still breastfeed and do everything so for me that is what sticks out to all my mothers and for me personally as a mom that's what I feel that I really enjoy each each facet of motherhood breastfeeding I enjoy uh, uh I enjoy going to the playgrounds I enjoy going on the swings with my children in Papachinos but at the same time, grow a baby in ICU using high-tech ventilation machines and uh, uh, the most best uh, medical practices and use all these high um, research, well-researched drugs and medications.
0: And unfortunately, we know, as you've hinted at, a lot of spaces for women still, specifically professional spaces, and unfortunately, also in healthcare, bringing your full femininity and your womanhood isn't always welcome. I wonder if pediatrics is a little bit more welcoming to that. But how have you felt um, your womanhood and your femininity is able to be present in your work?
4: That's a very important question to to answer. When I practiced in, uh, when I was actually qualifying to become a pediatrician, I worked in the government sector. So that meant rotating in various hospitals. And I can tell you the hours that we have to put in are quite immense. Sometimes we had to do 36-hour shifts. And uh, during that time, I actually noticed a few of my colleagues having miscarriages, even the time that I was pregnant. So in that space, it just made me as a woman feel that the world is not ready to really accept women in the professional space, uh, sometimes, and even unfortunately, even in pediatrics, which for me was a bit sad in that it is quite a female-dominated speciality. Uh, I'll just want to use myself as an example as no, and not anybody else, even when I was uh, when I had my baby. And I was trying to breast express milk at work. There were no facilities for me to do that in the public sector and even now, coming into the private sector, it's pretty much still on your own where because in the private sector it's more business, so it's more independent groups working with big business. But I can tell you it's it's still a big challenge for women, and henceforth that is why I appreciate these platforms that you've created, Elna, where we can actually talk about it to say that uh, even at a professional level, even at corporate level, that as women, we are still asking for more. And for me, being a visionary and a pioneer, I always believe that sometimes that more is not us waiting for somebody to do it. It's for us to step out there and create this type of platforms. And for me, I personally made sure that in my practice, We have a baby room where moms can actually change their baby's nappies in private, breastfeed in private, a room that's serene, well-resourced, comfortable. And one thing that I always see, some of my moms will always rush into the room and they have no nappies, they have no wipes or no bum cream. So I always stock it up because they'll tell me that, no, in the rush, the baby bag was left on the table or in the car. So I really am so happy to have such platforms. And even that is why I even came out and became an author and did an, an initiative on compiling stories of various women to say, you know what, as women, let's pioneer, let's step up because maybe some of the corporates don't really know what it feels like or what they're supposed to do, but we can create platforms and create rooms where we know that are well resourced and that will cater for us.
0: And asking for more, what I'm hearing from you is asking for more is not the same thing as asking for too much. It's just asking for what hasn't been there that should have been there. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So many of the healthcare workers that I speak to on this podcast, as probably all healthcare workers in this country, have seen some terrible things, have had to be there for people in some of their most vulnerable days. And I think as much as we think of joy and fun when we think of children, you are often there when that, terrible thing happens that no parent hopes they will have to face. What has that taught you? And and now speaking to other healthcare workers. What has that taught you about being in that space?
4: Elna, as you say that uh, this morning, I actually walked into blue drawn curtains in our neonatal ICU. When that happens, it means that whichever baby is in that cubicle did not make it that day. And I can tell you as healthcare workers, there's, uh, as much as you go through it and we have debriefing sessions, it really is challenging to our emotions, you know? And for me, that has really taught me that, you know what? We, we sometimes just need to be vulnerable with our patients where you, you sit with them, you counsel them, you cry with them and you, you show them your pain. You show them your human element to say, Yes, I am this uh, high profile person, but mommy, today I'm actually crying with you, you know, and I, I sit with my parents. Um, we sit even with some of my colleagues, we sit with our parents and we cry with them. And I can tell you how many I get a lot of, uh, letters, emails, WhatsApps and gifts post that to say, we just appreciated that when that time came, you were actually willing to be vulnerable. You actually showed emotions. You were empathic. You were empathetic with us. You you showed empathy. You were willing to to walk the journey with us. And one thing that I've also learned is also not to shut the door immediately when that happens. To communicate even after. It's not easy, but just ask my PAs. I ask my PAs, please schedule a call for me in the week because I know I won't be able to keep up. It's usually not all the time that we face death in the private sector, with the public sector being different because of high volumes. But just schedule a call to say, mommy, I'm open to you. I'm just calling you a week later. How are you feeling? And, you know, I, I actually have, have had such good responses. And I've attended actually a few workshops with medical, this litigation and medical protection societies that we join. And they always tell us that cases where there's litigation involved, Elna, is because there was no proper communication with the family. So the family then, out of anger, fire back and actually go back to, for the doctor. But with me, I've never even had, I've been doing this for many years and I've never had any litigation on my side. And I feel that not that I've done anything wrong, but I feel that if you counsel your parents, you invest yourself into this profession. Um, you know what? Then it, it really works well for you and them because we are supposed to have debriefing sessions. But in, in hospitals, we struggle for time for that. That's the reality. It, it never happens. But I feel that by debriefing with the parents, crying with them, walking the journey with them, and then sometimes I actually have gone to some funerals. It's, it's been a bit traumatic for me, but I actually find that I find closure um, when that
0: happens. Dr. Mashaba, you do a very difficult thing very well, in my opinion. Thank you so much for speaking to us today. Thank you. And this brings us to the end of our Jam-Packed Women's Month episode. Just a reminder that the doctors I spoke to today are Dr. Aubakwe Sehwe, Dr. Ntanga Muhambatsi and Dr. Letabo Mashaba. I'm sure you can find them online and support them wherever you are. Our regular listeners of the show know that I normally end by asking all of our guests what one thing is that they want you, as people invested in the healthcare space, to know. So instead, here's one from me today. I feel really inspired by how all these women in different spaces and medical fields have encouraged us to bring ourselves fully to what we do to identify what we're passionate about, and then to keep going, whatever that journey might have. I hope you've taken something from this episode and have a wonderful Women's Month. My name is Ena Schütz. You've been listening to GE Vital Voices and we release new episodes every month. You can, of course, find us wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Healthcare has never been more accessible, intelligent or dynamic it's also never been under more pressure. That's where GE Healthcare comes in. You and we, the clinicians and professionals on the front lines of delivering healthcare for your patients and communities. Also, those building the intelligent devices, data analytics, applications and services to enable you to do so more efficiently and with better outcomes. Together, we're at the center of an ecosystem, striving for precision health. Find out more on GEHealthCare.Africa
0: or across Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter as GEAfrica.